Hey friends, welcome to the Johnson City Living Podcast where we learn about the people, places, events, and flavors that make Johnson City a lovely place to live. It is a brisk February morning. We got Valentine's Day coming up and I've got a guy that I know and love pretty well. His name is Matthew Wiljam. Goes by Matt to his friends and I don't know, Karen may call you something different, but uh, he's got a lot going on in his life and I'm looking forward to letting you guys get to know matt wiljam this morning thanks for coming on the podcast colin i am very excited to be here an avid listener of your program and and uh yeah you said that and i was excited so we found the listener people he's out there (laughs) and he's doing well and um yeah and so i was excited to have you in so first question johnson city Obviously, this is what we're about. What do you love most about Johnson City? You know, uh, I I answer this question often dealing with people from outside of the area. Same here. And, um, you know, I was a kid growing up that swore I was getting out of Johnson City as fast as I could and um, had had plenty of opportunities to leave and just find better opportunities to stay and uh, running away with it. Um, no surprise to your listeners is right. the people. Yeah. Right. And not just, you know, not just like, hey, people are nice in the grocery store people, which is true, mm-hmm. uh, but like people that live life with you, mm-hmm. right? That will, that are there to celebrate life with you, that are there to walk through losing family members and live well. And you just want to uh, return those thanks, right? Mm-hmm. To other people. So we're. You know, I'm a big Johnson City guy and, and running away with it. Uh, just the best people here. Yeah, it is over and over and over. That's the number one thing is the best people here. So we say, if you're a jerk, you can keep going. Like, I don't know, find some other place to live. passes right by. Just keep on going. Don't go down to Fort Lauderdale where you're from. So let me talk about Fort Lauderdale. You were born and raised a little bit there. When yeah. did you come to Johnson City? Yeah, I came, I moved to Johnson City um, when I was eight years old. My dad was an ATF agent out of the Miami office Ooh. in the 80s. Uh, when he retired, he wanted to get out of South Florida in the 80s for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, I've got three older siblings that were 13, 15, and 16 years older. Okay. And then uh, right before my dad retired, uh, my mom comes home and, you know, he's almost 50 and she says, I'm, I'm pregnant. And he says, you're crazy. <laughs> and uh, a month before we were born, found out it was twins. So my dad's retiring at 50 and, and uh, he's like, I'm spending my retirement raising twins. Holy cow. Twin so, boys twin who boys, are crazy and full boys. of energy. Yeah. He was ready to just kind of put it into neutral and cruise it on out for a while. We had the best parents growing up because it was, uh, they were tired. I mean, <laughs> they were tired. They'd already raised three kids. We and, cannot keep an eye on them all the time. Yes. And it was, I don't care what you do, just go outside. Just, right? Yes. And it was the best childhood. Grew up, you know, playing in the woods around here. and just, Same here. Just riding our bikes all over. I think my parents locked us out of the house. Yes. Like you go outside and after, you know, when it's dinner time, we'll let you back in. We had one rule. You had to be home at dinner time. Yeah. My mom had a bell she would ring because yes. she didn't know where we were. We're out in fields, woods, all over the place, a mile away. But she's ringing that bell and I'm like, oh, and we just go hustling, jumping fences. 100%. Don't be yep. late for dinner. Do not be late for dinner. And yeah. it was, um, yeah, it was great. Yeah. So, uh, so literally they, um, when it was time to f- they could live anywhere. They my our, my older siblings were in college at that point at Florida, and and uh, um, they could have gone anywhere. And and for some reason Tennessee was on their map, and and uh, he was he was uh, up in Cookville area looking for a place to move to. And and uh, my mom was in Florida with us, and he he just didn't 
feel like it was where he was wanted to be. And someone up there said, Hey, here, the tri cities is a nice place to be. And, and so he woke up at like, couldn't sleep. So he woke up at like four in the morning, uh, drove into Jonesboro right after storytelling festival. Nice. And, uh, rented a house and at noon called my mom and said, Hey, we're moving to Jonesboro, Tennessee. Yes. And she was like, where in the world is Jonesboro, Tennessee? And CJ, that was, 1987. 1987. At that time, it was still the oldest town in Tennessee. <laughs> it still was then and as it is now. And, and probably the smallest at that point. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, 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 and But have been here since, right? Wanted to, um, like I said, was swore I was getting out of Johnson City after graduating high school and had the opportunity to uh, play football at ETSU. And, yeah. And uh, so did that and, and um, met my wife at ETSU. She was a high jumper and. I didn't know that. Yeah, she was that's a cool. Jumper. Yeah, and uh, um, a little mini dome magic, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. mat- matchmaker there. I love the mini dome. Yes, I, a lot of a lot of my youth was spent there. We used to. I, I don't think I can get in trouble for this now, but um, back when footballs played inside the mini dome, even yeah. in, even in high school, uh, we would break into the mini dome on Sundays mm-hmm. and go play football. Yes, um, and Brooks I, Gym, and I always got mad at you guys because I wanted to play tennis. And you put the turf down, and then the courts are gone, and you're like, mm. "Yes." Did yeah. you ever play tennis in there? Um, once or twice. Not a good tennis player at all. Well, the courts were like this tabletop, just slick, and yes. so it was it was crazy. The ball would just fly off of it. Okay, so what did you study when when you went to each issue? Uh, finance, so corporate investments and finance. That's kind of fitting, I guess. It does. So when you were a kid running around the woods, did you say, "Hey, I'd like to be"? Like in finance and be a CFO one day. You know, he, this is funny. Uh, so when my dad retired from the ATF, he uh, got into commodities trading and stock trading. And so uh, Mark and I would come home from school at and and you know the the uh, Wall Street Journal's on the table. Oh, right? cool. And and you know this is before really spreadsheets. So he's out there. He makes his was making his own charts and and so that really kind of sparked an interest in finance and investments and, and that type of stuff. And, and, uh, I remember as a kid reading, uh, uh, and Mitch has got a brace hat on here, re- reading an editorial in the wall street journal of, of, uh, why the Braves were like the worst organization in baseball. And I wrote an editorial back to, back to the wall street journal at like six or seven. <laughs> because you're wrong. That's why. That's right. That's yeah, about, that, they're the best. That was the extent of my argument. Yes. Yes. They're, they're really, really good. Okay. So Karen's a high jumper. Mm-hmm. You guys get married. When? How long ago was that? Two thousand and three. Okay. So we're coming up on coming up on a big one here. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's exciting. And then you guys have a few children. We we do. We um, on our first date at, at uh, took her to Firehouse, um, uh, Firehouse restaurant, and uh, we're, we barely knew each other. And I just said, "Hey, like." Let's, you want like, to have kids one day? That's what I said. Like, what do you think of kids? She's like, yeah, well, I'd like to have a big family. And she goes, I said, well, what's big for you? And she said, I'm from family of two. I think three would be great. And yeah. I said, well, I'm from five. I think five's a good number. Mm-hmm. And um, so we have six. Yeah. So you said, I'll show you, Dad. Yes, I'll, absolutely. I'll do you one more. And he's like, are you sure? <laughs> well, we got there pretty quick. We had, uh, we had Carly uh, Young and then like – Year and a half, two years later, we had twins, right? So it runs twins, in the family. Runs in the family. Uh, Watch out, boys. Yes, absolutely. And girls, yeah. 
Uh, and then a few years, about four years later, that about killed us. And about four, four years later, we had uh, Brooks mm-hmm. fourth. And then um, a few years after that, uh, Carly, we, we're people of faith. And, and uh, Karen comes home and says, uh, hey, I, I think, I think, because we we're talking about five. And she goes, I think we're being led to adoption. Mm-hmm. I said, I think you're crazy. And uh, I don't think we are being led that way. <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, CJ, that uh, has changed my life. And we adopted a little girl from China named Mei Li. And, and uh, a couple years after that, we adopted a little boy from China named Rue. And so that's how you get to six. So for our listeners, because you, you and I both were believers, and what did it look like for her to go, okay, we're being led to adoption? You know, what is that process? Because a lot of people are like, did you hear a word? You know, did he say, hey, Matt, I, he called you up on the phone and said, you need to adopt somebody. Yeah. So my wife is a, uh, Karen's a speech language pathologist, and, and uh, she was, uh, we're talking about five, and, yeah. and uh, she was seeing uh, a number of children that had been adopted internationally, mm-hmm. uh, just working on speech and language development. And um, so it was just kind of this reoccurring sense of, hey, we, we, we have room, mm-hmm. right? And um, so in, in that process, uh, say that Karen was the gas and I was the brakes, right? <laughs> I had um, another couple tell me that the other day. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, generally speaking, this is generalization, but, but generally, you know, mothers are nurturers and mm-hmm. dads are protectors. Right. And, and uh, I just, I was like, listen, you know, we've already have four. And, and um, she said, well, would you just pray about it? And uh, so I said, yes. And uh, she she would say that uh, she would, be up at night and would uh, pray over me that like God would change my heart and uh, uh, imagine that sure enough he does and yeah. uh, that was you know um, gosh that was five or six years ago now and it's a it's a long you know it's a it's a long process and and um, yeah that was something I just committed like hey if Lord if this is something that you want in my life uh, I will make myself available yeah right? and it's not easy because i remember you guys yeah it was a process and then karen went to china for a while she did she did she uh she had made a she had made a trip with um some other therapists to uh to a, a uh it's called a healing home and it was um a place that was ran by some americans that um set up a uh it's not an orphanage but it's a um to speak but it was a place that uh uh, orphan kids could go get uh, surgeries and and medical care that they need and 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 be able to to um, you know go on and live um, healthy lives and that type of stuff and so she went and did that and and uh, it only furthered her you know calling to say hey I think we're this is this is where we're being led and um, you know a year or two later then we started the process. Yeah, and the process isn't easy, right? It's not. It it takes about a year, a lot of paperwork, a lot of, you know, proving that hey, you're you've got the means and the footing to be a good parent and and you'll provide for these kids and thorough background checks and social workers and and uh it's it's I would not say it's an enjoyable process, um but it's a a uh, it's a healthy one for sure. Now, did both of the kids come from the same area in China? Close, but uh, no. One's from um, Nanjing, which is uh, about an hour, hour and a half train wide west of Shanghai. Okay. And then uh, our son is from Nanchung, which is more in the southern 
uh, region of, of China. Neat. And you went to pick them up. Yeah, yeah. Both so you times. got to see both both places and both areas. And yep. It, um, first time we just took uh, Carly, uh, our oldest and our youngest. We took uh, she was I think, um, gosh, I'm trying to remember maybe eight and no, she was she was ten and four at the time. And then uh, the second time, and we were gone for two weeks, and it was unbelievable experience. Yeah. Loved it. Um, really, really did. It was fascinating. And the uh, second time, we we took the whole crew. We took we took everybody, and, and um, uh, we were a walking zoo in China. <laughs> because, you know, they, they're uh, predominantly one child, right? And so then they see our clan walking down and uh, trying to reconcile, like, what what are you doing with all these kids? I and mean, that was the overwhelming question. They're I like, why? Just like why? Yes, uh, p- pretty much. And I, uh, it was fun. I had learned a little bit of Mandarin along the oh, way. Okay, and, cool. And uh, they would just have you know broken conversations. But that was really the question: like, why why so many kids? You know? <laughs> and uh, and we just said, this is this is that's what we're called to. Do. That's what we're called to do. So it was great. Uh, fast. They're fascinated by um, um, people of light colored hair. Uh, or red hair. My wife's a redhead, and yeah. so just fascinated by um, seeing, you know, because uh, in in China, like you know, Nanjing. If you're a student of history, you, you know the story of Nanjing. But if you're not, it's just some city. It's eight million people. It's the size of Chicago. It's crazy how they have these cities, and you're like, oh yeah, there's yeah. three million in there, five million there. Yeah, and you hadn't even heard of it. Hadn't even heard of it. There's not many Westerners. <clears throat> Shanghai is kind of we call it China light. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of Western influence, but you go inland, and it's you know, it's real China, and yeah. um, but it, it was great. Love love the experience. That's awesome. That's awesome. Cool. Well, are you still fluent in Mandarin? Um, are you getting I, there? Are you I, still I, practicing? I still practice a little bit, kind of. Um, you know, Pimsler, you know, podcast that kind of stuff. Uh, I've got some friends that are um, uh, native speakers, and so we'll yeah. bounce some stuff off. But I, I remember one time, Helen, you know, Helen Baird, yeah, and. Uh, her, um, she's Chinese parents from China. And first time I got enough courage to say something to her, she looked at me and co- she went, is that, is that Chinese? Is that what like, you're trying to do like, here? Actually, no, that was, that was, I was coughing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it, it was, it's a great that's Appalachianese. Yeah, that's Appalachianese. Got, yeah. It, it, it's a great, great experience. And, and, um, um, I'm, I hope I try to instill that into my children to learn Mandarin. They're not, um, not interested at this point yeah and um uh, but hopefully that's something they'll return to yeah that's awesome we're um we're planning a trip i think um, well we're definitely going to portland in may because we had a foreign exchange student from china live with us for a couple years and so he's graduating so we're really excited about that and then we're gonna go see him in china at some point and i'm looking forward to that trip too it'll be fun where are you going he is in urimshi or that's where his family lives and it's the um i looked it up and again never heard of it right it's close to Russia, okay, and it's known from being the biggest city in the world. That's as the farthest away from an ocean, like okay. So, like anywhere you go, there's no ocean like within a long way. Yeah. And so, um, oddly, it gets super hot and super cold, and mm-hmm. so you're just kind of like, okay, so we'll go check it out. But yeah, um, I'm I'm excited. Well, thanks for sharing about your. your you were connected through the Chinese. And, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just. I think it opens your heart to a whole different world, a whole different. Um, yeah, just having someone else in your house that didn't come from you is a yeah. different experience, and just the Lord opens you up and lets you love them like 
no, like you never thought you could. You know, we live in such a divisive time right mm-hmm. now. Um, the message that you know I've learned in this process is uh, we're we're not that different. Mm-mm. No, we're not that different. Right. And uh, um, yeah, Jerry Caldwell, who's you know a good friend of ours and mm-hmm. um, mutual friend of ours, and he um, uh, they've adopted. A number of children and when we first engaged into this uh i went and had breakfast with them and and i uh, said you know what is it like having a child that doesn't look like you mm-hmm. right and uh because uh, a number of his kids are biracial and uh he said matt you you it you don't you just don't notice it that yeah. just goes, after that, a while it just fades di- away that difference goes away and, and he said i'll catch people looking at me and realizing like oh yeah that's right my kids don't look like me right <laughs> Right. And um, Colin, it is the most amazing thing that I've got four. I've got four beautiful biological kids and in my heart. They are they are my kids. And I and I mm-hmm. love them. Um, and then I've got two kids that look nothing like me. Mm-hmm. And my heart sees them no different than uh, my biological kids. And it's it's the most amazing story ever. It really. Yeah, is. It really is just a beautiful story. Yeah. Well, OK, back to. You in Johnson City. We're going to get back on track. Um, so you're a quarterback. Yes. At ETSU, you come out of college. You got the NFL draft going, and you chose not to go first round. You know, uh, back back then, graduated in 2001. Back, okay. Back then, there weren't many 5'11 quarterbacks. Ah. Uh. Uh, that game has changed now with the new style of offense. You yeah. see a lot smaller quarterbacks. Yeah, hustlers. Uh, they're running, running and gunning. It, they are. They're, uh, they're, they're. You know, you're not at Peyton Manning six four and sees over everybody. That right? dude, he sat in front of me at an ETSU basketball or a UT basketball game and stood up, and I was kind of like, "Dude, you need to sit down. You're a big fella." Well, he turned around and was like, "Oh, hey, Peyton." You know, it's like, <laughs> like you're huge. Coming yeah. from you, right? You're a tall guy. I'm six two, but I was like, this guy's big. Yes, and so so uh, the NFL wasn't calling, but but I, you know, I, uh, playing football in college was a was a dream of mine as a kid, and and playing for ETSU, a Division one school, was a um, truthfully probably a level up from where I, I should have should have played, and but that rewarding sense of earning, you know, earning. Uh, a starting job and winning, you know, winning some big games and that foundational uh, for me. But but more than playing, it's the relationships that come from it. And um, just you know, like neat neat story. Scott Carter, I hosted him on his recruiting trip. Somebody told me you guys lived together. We did for four years, and um, um, you know, I couldn't be more proud of him. Uh, we ATSU couldn't be luckier to have him. I mean, he's uh, just done a phenomenal job at, at as athletic director he uh but th- what people don't realize is when he came here that's what he wanted to do he wanted to be an athletic director that's awesome and, and said like hey man, i don't want to be an athletic director here and uh um you know i would come home with with um uh you know finance investment homework mm-hmm. and he, he he would come home and and was redesigning uh the college football playoff system yeah oh, wow. that kind of deal and so uh but he's he's done just a phenomenal job yeah so, i don't know him um, very well, but seems like a great guy. Just the best. Maybe you can get him on the podcast. I would be happy to. Because <laughs> I'd love to get to know him. Yeah, for sure. For yep. sure. He I hear good things. We had um, Matt McGahey on here, and um, he's great, too. So we've got, I think, just, again, comes back to the people. we got great people, and you can just see the success continue to come from that. 
Uh, Without a doubt. And hard workers. I mean, like, because when you were a kid and you're trying to be a quarterback and you're going, okay, I want to play DTSU D1, you probably had some grit going. You're probably like, okay, I got to push it a little bit. You know, I tell my I tell my kids uh, who are they're all, they're all athletes. I said, "Hey, good news and bad news." You know, your your mom, your Will Jim. Good news is your mom was a a um, high jumper in college. Your dad played college football, and so you know, if you're walking in an airport athletically, you've, you're probably better than average, right? But the bad news is you're a Will Jim, which means you're not like phenomenal. <laughs> Um, and so if you're going to do well, you're going to have to work hard. We only have a certain amount of genetics. Right, right. right. There's only so much. And yeah. so, uh, you know, the, the thing to say is uh, at, at some point we all stop playing football. Like I'm not playing football on the weekends anymore. Yeah. And um, I've got to go earn a living. But it's those lessons that you learn along the way that, yeah. that that's, you know, that's all character development. Yeah. So. And you probably caught some of that from dad too. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Any um, any advice for fathers listening right now while we're in that in that vein? Boy, my my kids would probably tell you uh, they hear all the advice from me that they want to hear. You know, the the thing is, uh, I, I tell my kids um, that you know I love them no matter what, yeah, unconditionally, and I'm uh, I'm always here for them, and I'm proud of them. Same here. And, yeah, um, I add I add to that to my daughters. I tell them I make sure that they know that they're beautiful mm-hmm. um, because I don't want the first time they hear that they're beautiful coming from. You know, some somebody else. I want right. them to know that their dad thinks they're beautiful. And, yeah. um, um, you know, out, outside of that, um, we as Americans, we find a great deal of, of benefit and comfort. Mm-hmm. And uh, I try to encourage my kids to lean into discomfort. And um, like take away their beds and stuff. We don't take away their beds at all. Sleep <laughs> uh, like on the floor, get used yeah. to. It. But my daughter Carly is very. She's a strong girl and strong personality. And, mm-hmm. and we were at a at a wedding uh, a few weeks ago, and and some kids that were young life kids when we were in, involved in young life. They were young life leaders. Yeah. They said like, hey, we need you to do a parenting class with our our husbands because we, you know, we want. How do you raise a strong daughter? And uh, I just said, well, I don't know that I'm going to take much credit for it but i you know um put them in uncomfortable situations yeah and uh, l- allow them to grow mm-hmm. and that and that um uh, that is not always one favors at home but it, i think it's been beneficial yeah and I, that's the tension right all the time is like i love you i want to give you the best that i can and and i want to have you to have comfort and to, but again on the other side of it you don't grow from that you know and that's it's a tough balance for sure so yeah, thanks for sharing that. Okay, so graduated. Um, what was your first job? Worked for a company uh, called Amorace Micropores Products. I didn't know that was the first one. Okay. First one out yep. in Piney Flats. It was a connection uh, that uh, John Spiropolis had arranged. That dude. I'm having lunch with him today. Well, he's a, he's a good one. He's a good one. Uh, introduced me to a gentleman named uh, Steve Gross, mm-hmm. uh, who's uh, a mentor of mine and an uh, early, early leader. And, and um, His wife was a mentor of mine in second grade. Yes. Yeah. Strong history at yes. UH. Yes. Yeah. Novice Gross for listeners. And, mm-hmm. and um, just really grew from there and, and, and learned a lot from there. And um, how long were you at Micropores? You know, six or seven years. Got to do some great things, build uh, manufacturing plants in Central Europe, and that was that was a 
you know, highlight of the career, worked in, uh, it was neat. Uh, it was a private equity held company. So coming from a finance investment background mm-hmm. in school to be able to, the private equity group was based out of New York. So, you know, I'm 25 years old and I'm sitting in boardrooms on in New York city. And yeah. You're like, was, this is cool. This is a neat deal. Look at this little deal. guy from Johnson city, Tennessee. Yes, 100%. Yeah. They're like, where are you from? So then you went to free service tire? I did. I did. Very good. We uh, made the transition to a family business here in John City. It was nearly 90 years old at that time, and, and it was a distribution company, and and uh, they were looking for a CFO. And at this point, um, Microporus had sold in that private equity world, and we were looking at relocating to uh, Charlotte, which is a great place to live. Uh, we had just had the twins, mm-hmm. and so we were three kids, two and under, you know, pumping 70, 80 hours a week in a community that we didn't have community didn't sound like the right thing for us to do at the time. And, and, uh, someone had reached out and said, Hey, free service looking for a CFO. And I just, at that time, all I knew was the one downtown, right. Uh, which is now Yeehaw and white duck and yeah, and the building where I used to come hang out with you yes. is like just a shell. I've yeah. shown it a few times and I'm like, why isn't somebody doing with this? Something I, with well, it? make beautiful. something, make something happen. It is a cool building. I've, yeah, it, it could be really cool. Yeah. So and, I need to figure out what, get somebody in there. And uh, so, so when they said, Hey, what about, you know, this? I said, Well, you know, all due respect, why does, why does a company like um, Free Service need a CFO? I mean, a bookkeeper should be able to handle that. And uh, he just kind of smiled and said, You'd be surprised. <laughs> and, uh, you know, a little known secret was uh, Free Service is uh, very substantial. Huge, huge company, yeah. uh, family-owned business, and so I was there for a number of years, and then um, um, had an opportunity to go to to work for uh, another family business in Johnson City. Um, this is Face Amusement. Face Amusement, mm-hmm. and um, that's head by the Mabe family, and Bucky and I, uh, fraternity brothers together and classmates together. I didn't know that. And uh, you know, I'll tell you, um, I've had the opportunity to be around some really smart business people and, and, uh, Bucky's right there at the top. He's, uh, just an entrepreneurial at his core Mm -hmm. uh, sees further than others and, uh, is doing a great thing. He and Mark Larkey and Rusty Mabe, uh, I've got a, they've got a great thing uh, going and obviously Clarence Mabe is the patriarch and, um, has fantastic story and, you know, leader in the community. Yeah. 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 That's a great family. And how long were you there? Uh, Couple, almost three years. Okay, three years, and um, and in that time, uh, got to do some amazing, amazing things. Uh, um, I'll. That's a group that needs to be on the podcast. I'll let yeah. them tell the story. That's a good idea. Uh, in For the, sure. In the in the meantime, um, I got a call from uh, State of Franklin Healthcare Associates, mm-hmm. SOFA, and um, they they were in the need of a CFO and um, just made a. Made it to there's something I couldn't I couldn't turn down right and, um, uh, you know we're our our physicians uh, State African Healthcare is um, it's a large it's the largest primary care um, independent uh, physician group in Northeast Tennessee and and um, uh, our our you know my primary care doctor was Sofa mm-hmm. our our OBGYN, mm-hmm. you know, our kids were brought into this world. Right. When so, you've got a lot of kids, you get involved in healthcare. Yes, you do. <laughs> and, uh, and, it, but also, you know, this organization that walked through, you know, as my parents passed, that was dealing with sofa, sofa doctors. And, and so, uh, I'd go to church with sofa doctor, you know, I just, I just, I knew the community really well. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, this was an opportunity I couldn't, I just couldn't pass up. And so I've been there since October of 20, uh, great organization, really 
proud to to be a part of it. I um, um, tough time to start in healthcare. It it is a it is a tough time to start in healthcare. Uh, but you know, kind of such a time as this, it's mm-hmm. it's really rewarding that. Um, you know, I'm good at numbers. Not, I don't know anything about healthcare, but I'm I'm good at numbers, right? <laughs> and uh, but I, I care about helping people. Yeah. And uh, to be able to match those two together, those two together has been been really rewarding. Yeah, I think when you find your sweet spot, um, it's super rewarding. Like yeah. you love numbers, and you can help people through that. You know, we love just meeting people and helping them find a place to live. And it's just it it's neat how you look back and so you're like, okay, kids, what? Find what you love to do and then figure out how to help people in doing it. And you can't go wrong. 100%. 100%. You really can't. And then you help enough people get what you want, they want and you'll get what you want. That's uh, a Zig Ziglar question. I think so. I love it. I love it. So what do you do as CFO? At, I mean, what are you guys, what are you into over there? Yeah, so uh, State of Franklin uh, Healthcare Associates, SOFA, we're uh, independent, uh, physician-owned, physician-led organization, uh, primary care. So that's mm-hmm. everything from pediatrics to OBGYN to uh, adult family medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, we have some um, specialties, um, but but we don't do we don't do cardiology. We don't do pulmonology. We're we're, we're surgeons. Uh, it's all primary care. Is that down the line maybe or no? Um, I w- you know, uh, you Sofa know. is uh, an entrepreneurial company okay. um, but but uh, we're also really good at keeping the main thing the main thing we talk about that often right and um, so we focus really hard on that we're, we're good in the uh, for the medical community we're, we're, we're really good in the, uh, the value space of uh, used to be medicine was fee for service mm-hmm. right uh, I heard your dad on the podcast when when that was first starting like hey you're not feeling well like come in for a visit i'll yep. charge you for the visit right come back i'll charge you again uh or like, hey let's go get this other scan or or, or whatever sure and so, or five of them or five of them right and it was <laughs> right. it was a it was a fee-for-service world right and um medicare looked up after a while and cms said hey you know our we keep on spending more but our outcomes aren't changing so, how long ago was that Ten years ago, maybe. Um, yeah, probably a little bit more than that. Okay, um, I'm sure it's been talked about for a while. Right, and um, it's hard to sh- like really yeah, turn the ship. It's I turning mean, the battleship yeah. for sure. And uh, but the but the but the model uh, for primary care now is rewarding uh, for healthy outcomes. Right? right, keeping people healthy out of the hospital, away from chronic chronic care conditions, and so really incentivizing uh, primary care physicians to keep people healthy which, which is seemed, a great model right which makes kind sense like right? hey you get paid on the number of points you score you That's know like right. steph curry you score a lot of points you make a lot of money you know like so we're gonna save you know help a lot of people again keep them out mm-hmm. keep them healthy and then yeah get paid off of that deal yeah i love it so did you come up with that whole model i did not <laughs> there uh there were uh, some leaders inside of sofa that uh saw that coming before it was coming cool. and uh, have just built an, uh, an organization really around that yeah. and high focus on quality and and uh, it's a place that physicians want to come work yeah and they want to be uh, in a place where that they get to practice medicine that they have their their say so uh, they get to be you know owners in in the business and and so they they have a opportunity to scratch an entrepreneurial itch but also be able to practice clinically the way that they they want to practice and it's a model that's 
uh, worked well for about 25 get, years now. And they get to live in the best place in the world. You know, it's 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 pretty easy um, to recruit to recruit uh, when when you look at what's available here. Uh, you, you've got to um, you have to change some dynamics uh, when folks are coming in from outside of the area. We don't recruit locally; we recruit right. from outside and, mm-hmm. and uh, outside of the coming uh, students coming out of the med school here. And yeah. and um, but when you look at cost of living and you know, physicians make a uh, uh, quite investment in their education, and uh, have to find ways to make sure that they are able to earn that back. And when you're living in an area that uh, has access to medicine like we have, um, and is cost effective to mm-hmm. live here, uh, it's a it's a great opportunity. There's a high high work life balance uh, for physicians. What's the thing you love about your job? Just at the end of the day, I'm helping people, right? I enjoy I enjoy the financial aspects of putting together pro formas and models and, and saying, hey, we could create this or this is what this might look like. And, uh, and at the end of the day, know that um, you're, you're walking through um, and making uh, opportunities for uh, other people. What's the biggest challenge you're facing right now? People, 100%. Uh, tough time to be in healthcare, uh, particularly if you're a frontline worker and, mm. and just feeling that exasperation. Do you guys do you have a lot of nursing staff as well? I know I saw a number the other day. Ballard was down like fifteen hundred people were sick, like an out. You're yes. kind of like it's hard to run an organization when I don't know. That sounds like a quarter of their workforce, maybe. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a big number, and so you know <clears throat> by its very nature, you're interacting with people that aren't always well, right? And so um, there's lots of angst that can go into that. We're very protective of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it is a um, it's a rewarding environment, um, but it's you know it's a difficult time right now. And so making sure people from not just nursing but also back office support, right. the whole deal is uh, um, that people feel rewarded and they see the outcomes of their work. Yeah. That's cool. That's really cool. What do you see coming down the line for Johnson City? Right, we're we're growing, and you can feel it, and you can see it in parking lots where there's like used to be like, oh, that's weird. There's somebody from Ohio here, you know. Now it's like, oh, there's a Tennessee license plate because <laughs> it seems like there's everybody from everywhere coming here. Yeah, and, it, and it's uh, it's something that I think this region has wanted to see for a while, mm-hmm. and uh, COVID has created the avenue for people to say, hey, well, where I can be anywhere. Where do I want to be? That's right. right. I don't want to look at a cubicle anymore. I can look at these beautiful mountains and work from, from, from anywhere. Yeah, yeah. And, and that is the uh, that, you know, that's the great part here is that that we offer that opportunity that has a great work life balance. And, mm-hmm. and um, uh, it's interesting. One of the physicians that that we work with, uh, he had uh, three places that he was looking at Vanderbilt, uh, Wake Forest and uh, on a lark had put the Tri Cities, and so the first place he went to was you know Central North Carolina, and as he's up there, he said, uh, "Well, where do you go fishing?" And I'm like, oh, we, when we go fly fishing, we go up to Tri Cities, John City. <laughs> he canceled his Vanderbilt interview and came to Johnson city and wow. started working. Right? That's great. Uh, because that's what he wanted to see that kind of work life balance and, and to hang out with Brownie Lyles. That's right. Yeah. I love it. Okay. What's, um, so as you see us growing, is there anything that's like, okay, we need to kind of think this direction or, um, or for people coming in, like how can they help our region? What are some, what's some advice or thoughts there? 
Yeah, that's that's a good question. Being a Johnson City guy, I think about this kind of stuff. I tell people they can move here. You just can't vote for ten years until you get used to it. You know, <laughs> jokingly, but then I'm kind of like, no, I'm serious. You can't vote for ten. Years. Yeah, no, we we have uh, we offer uh, just and it's said on the show many times, but we that work life balance that we offer here is in the in the environment that we offer here is is great. We yeah. uh, we continue to grow. I want to see. Um, to continue to grow in young professionals. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I say this is a great place to grow up. It's a great place to raise a family. It's a great place to retire. Mm -hmm. Uh, We need to continue to encourage opportunities for young professionals um, to want to be here, Mm -hmm. to move into the area. We see a lot of kids when they graduate uh, from high school or college that they go away, but they ultimately come back. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'd love to see um, more stay uh, before they, you know, before they leave and, and, yeah, uh, that's where that's where I'd love to see Johnson City continue to grow and invest to where people don't have to leave to where go get to a big boy job and then come back. And yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, what's something I didn't ask you that I should have? Uh, that's a good that's a good question. I um, I don't know. I'm active in lots of things. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I, uh, ETSU football continues to be a big part of my experience. Yeah. Um, uh, and you're, you're you're you still calling games at times on the radio is yeah. that right do i hear you occasionally yeah i do um uh the color commentating with jay uh sandos he was on here along with a little he, while ago yeah he, he was and that is uh running away with it the most selfish thing i do all year long <laughs> um is is have fun with uh, it's fruitful though i saw you out on the field i mean with your whole family it was awesome yes so. it, it's great you know um the being a part of it as a as a player was awesome um being a part, Dr. Nolan asked if I'd participate and help bring in ETSU football back. And so that's been very rewarding and to continue to be a part of the program only in the sense of getting to, uh, put on a headset like this and go yeah. to all football games. Yeah. You know, I, it's, it's just, it's a lot, it's a lot of fun. It's rewarding. And the success that uh, the team has had is, uh, is great to see. It is really good to see. Um, I guess tell me a little insight on the new coach. Are you excited about? Uh, yeah, George Corals is. If you're from East Tennessee and you know football, you know the name George Corals. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's uh, literally one of the uh, winningest high school coaches of all time. Like not just in East Tennessee, but anywhere. all time, anywhere. It's like like, like 250 wins out of like 270 chances. Something whoa. something ridiculous. <laughs> And, That's crazy. Yeah, like something ridiculous. And uh, uh, made the jump into college about four or five years ago. And uh, when they had the opportunity to open up after Coach Sanders stepped down, he he uh, interviewed and and um, Scott Carter, you know, obviously from the Knoxville area, knew George Corals and mm-hmm. that name, and so he kind of put him there at the top of the list and and so I'm, I'm real excited about him i think bottom line the guy's a winner no yeah. no question the question is can he transition from being a high school head coach to a college head coach right but he was in college ball he, he was office coordinator for Furman, Furman. for a number yep. of years where he he's an alma mater and and i think he um, tissue beat Furman last night on basketball uh, they did <laughs> they did and uh you know i'm also real excited that uh billy taylor who's a friend and mentor yes of mine he's such a good guy uh, just he j- just the best he uh we're actually recruited me to ETSU and and uh, I'm indebted to that guy and and uh, uh, I know that that was a position that he wanted and and ultimately he he didn't get it but um, uh, the fact that he you know to just speak of who he is and what ETSU means to him he 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 stayed on on the staff and and uh, you know that's there's a handful of people in ETSU athletics um, that um, 
you know, that you think of when you think about it, long-term ETSU right. people and Billy Taylor is at the top of that list. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, thanks for spending some time with me. Thanks for connecting um, with our listeners. If you guys want to know anything about State of Franklin Healthcare, you can reach out to Matt. How can our listeners connect with you? Uh, you know, I, I spend a, a little bit of time on Twitter, mostly on ETSU stuff at mcwilljum at twitter.com. Nice. And then, um, but, but reach me at State of Franklin. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much. And thank you guys for listening. Until next time, I'm Colin Johnson with the Colin and Carly Group and Keller Williams Realty. If you want to buy a house or sell a home or move to Johnson City and come hang out with Matt on a regular basis, give me a buzz. Look me up. I'd love to help you. Thanks, CJ. Thank you, buddy. Good to see you. Good seeing you.